AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Election day must be over. I actually saw a cellular phone commercial on TV this morning. (laughs) And the results do not line up with what the polls suggested. The Republican wave was a ripple. It looks like the GOP will gain control of the House, but by a thin margin. And the Senate could very well stay evenly split. We'll cover what signals were sent by these results. Live from the post-election afterglow via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin with a conversation with Randy Russell from the Russell Group. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Tim Barak and Michelle Jones. Right after the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, is it the post-election afterglow or the post-election collective head-scratch? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think know. it's the post-election. Okay, at least that part's over. <laughs> yes. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the reason that I say that is because when you line up the results against what was expected in the, you know, according to the polls, yeah. this is a very... Uh, the the results are very dissimilar and uh we we need to explore why we need to explore how we need to explore all of that but most importantly when we talk with randy what does this mean for the farm bill in 2023 uh to me to and i'm talking about randy russell the russell group to me what this means is a much more difficult path for the farm bill but Let's find out what Randy has to say. Dude, you yeah. have got a lot of news to cover. So let's, yes. l- let's go ahead and get started. Uh, well, here's some fun news. We've got some more daily flash sales to report this morning. Good. On the heels of yesterday's announcement, China has purchased 264,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans with unknown destinations pulling the trigger on 198,000 metric tons of beans, both for the 22-23 marketing year, two days in a row of these daily sales, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with the way that the bean market acted last week, I don't think it's any surprise that these sales are being confirmed now. Don't forget, beans gained like 60 cents last week while the corn market did nothing. Well, the GOP is set to win control of the House by an expected five seats or so. With final results still pending, the Senate is still called up for grabs. Of note to farmers, House Ag Chairman David Scott and Ranking Member G.T. Thompson were easily reelected, along with Senator John Boozman, House Ag Appropriations Subcommittee Chair Sanford Bishop, and Virginia's Abigail Spanberger were among Democrats winning close races. Spanberger chairs the House Ag Subcommittee that oversees conservation programs talking about that farm bill these are some key posts chip yeah uh you know spanberger chaired i think the house mm-hmm. ag committee it depends on how the 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 race wraps up the way that i've got things tallied right now is the republicans have a pretty easy path to get to about 219 208 that's barely a majority 
Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, there's still another 17 races that are still too close to call. Right. So it could end up with with a fairly comfortable Republican uh, majority in the House or very tight majority. But we'll talk more about that with Randy coming up here in a bit. Well, Chip, USDA is expected to make just modest revisions to its corn and soybean crop estimates and its crop production report at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's today. Relatively modest shifts are also expected in the 22-23 U.S. balance sheets, with ending stocks for corn, soybeans, and wheat all anticipated to increase. The biggest movement is likely to come in global wheat crop estimates. According to the U.S. Meat Export Federation, U.S. pork exports topped year-ago totals for the second consecutive month. National Pork Board's Vice President of International Market Development, Courtney Knupp, said they had been anticipating a pickup in numbers toward the end of the year. What we do know is that demand for U.S. pork, especially our variety meats in 2022, which those are those internal organs, fats, you know, non-traditional muscle cuts, they are continuing to regain momentum in China and Hong Kong. And so that's a huge value add to the carcass. And shipping in other news, ethanol proponents are reportedly frustrated by EPA's latest delay in proposing new volume requirements for biofuels and fears more legal battles And before volumes are finalized next year. A fresh two-week delay until November 30 for the release of EPA's proposed RVOs. While agreed on by the ethanol industry is just the latest challenge for biofuel producers, Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper expresses his concern. Uh, and it's really discouraging and really dis- disappointing and, and frustrating that they had a, a court-ordered deadline and a court-ordered date on the calendar for getting this proposal out and giving EPA any further wiggle room uh, to delay publication of the proposal just doesn't seem like it's in the best interest of, of anybody to us. Kicking the RVO proposals down the road, Chip. Yep. Just a couple of weeks, though. Should get them by the end of the month. China's producer price index fell 1.3% from year ago in October. That's the first annual decline in factory gate prices since December 2020. Uh, China's consumer price index rose 2.1% from a year earlier, easing from a 29-month high. And finally, USDA Deputy Ag Secretary Dr. Jewel Brona led a recent trade mission to Kenya, Tanzania, and Zanzibar on the African continent. Brona says the trip was geared toward finding more export markets for American commodities Following the launch of the recent U.S.-Kenya Strategic Trade and Investment Partnership, Brona expressed optimism regarding potentially new markets in sub-Saharan Africa. Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Uh, let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. So last week you talked about the increase in e-commerce in agriculture. Why? Why is it catching on? Why is it catching on? Yeah, so Chip, we shared that over five years we done the same email-based study asking farmers how they purchase their crop input specific to seed fertilizer and crop protection. We have seen the percent of farmers who buy some percent of their inputs online grow from eight to 18% yeah. here in 2022. Farmers tell us next year, 22% of them will buy some of their inputs online. I wanted to tease out a little bit. What about that other 78%? Okay. Why are farmers not buying online? And I would share the number one reason they have told us is because they've been satisfied with their current input provider. So what exactly does that mean? As simultaneously, we have seen an increase of farmers buying something online as well as 
ag retailers investing to have an online okay. presence. We have dozens of ag retail, uh, traditional ag retailers who've invested in grower portals. In fact, for the first time in the five-year study, we made public and published who farmers tell us are their online retailer of choice. And the, one of the top answers is that local retailer. So as I talk sure. to retailers, how are they justifying their investment in taking their business online? They are seeing it, those who have invested in this way, as an expanding the relationship with their grower. And they also candidly share that the number one feature that farmers are going online and checking would simply be just their invoice, right? Yeah. And seeing yeah. what that yeah. what that current tally is with their retailer. The second would be product information. So yeah. yes, we are talking about more farmers going online and telling us they're buying product, but I would also share with folks, there are huge opportunities in expanding the relationship with your trusted advisor, with yeah. your ag retailer I, online. I, I was just gonna say, uh, at, this suggests that that relationship with the ag retailer still matters and still matters a lot. Yeah, it's going deeper and wider. No doubt about it. Thank you, Margie. That is Margie Camp, editor of The Scoop. We've got Randy Russell from the Russell Group next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. Davis Michelson is, of course, along with us as well. Standing by. Uh, let's find out. Let, let's get what what is uh, are some of the signals that we should be taking from the results of the midterm elections Randy Russell from the Russell Group DC is our guest Randy it's good to talk with you how are you Hi Chip how are you Davis good to be with you uh maybe a little tired this morning but I'm probably yeah. not the only one <laughs> Yep yep exactly I'm uh, I'm I'm not quite doubled up on coffee here this morning but I'm getting pretty close at this point um you know, and and the results did keep me interested last night, deep into the night, just simply because I was kind of scratching my head, Randy, wondering how are these results coming in as they are? Because in, in many, many cases, they don't line up with the polls at all, Randy. Jeff, uh, one takeaway. There's probably many takeaways that one can have 
from what we're hearing so far uh, is that virtually none of these polls were accurate. Right. Um, and I, I'm not picking on any one particular, but in aggregate, uh, a lot of them are predicting, uh, particularly the last week or 10 days, uh, what would have been viewed as a red wave. Clearly, that did not happen. And uh, there was just significant uh, differences from what they were projecting to what we're seeing play out. And by the way, we still got days to go yeah. on this, uh, particularly as we look at the Senate. But uh, clearly the polls were way off. Yeah. So as you read the status of the election right now, do we call the Senate still a toss up at this point? Yes. Yes. OK. Yeah. Let me just, let me just kind of run through it. Yeah. Chip with you and Davis and your listeners, as we know it as of right now and checking on some of these numbers before I got on with you. So, you know, the the Wisconsin race, uh, Johnson is very marginally uh, ahead, uh, but that could very easily go to a recount uh, under Wisconsin law. It's that close. Um, You've got you've got obviously Pennsylvania has been called. So that's a pickup for for the Democrats. Then you've got uh, the Laxalt, uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez in Nevada, Laxalt ahead, but they still have not called that race. Uh, You have Arizona uh, with Mark Kelly, the sitting Democrat, running against Masters. A lot of votes coming in yet. There's about a third of the vote coming in in Arizona, and that's primarily from Republican areas. So that race is going to tighten. And then, of course, we have the Georgia situation where it was Senator Warnock against Herschel Walker, and that's headed for a runoff on December 6th. So if this plays out the way it currently stands and those that are ahead end up winning, meaning that uh, Johnson holds on in Wisconsin, Laxalt wins in Nevada, and Kelly holds on in Arizona, it is deja vu all over again yeah. in Georgia with a runoff December 6th between the Heisman Trophy winner and uh, – and uh, Reverend Warnock for control wow. of the Senate. Right. Yep. Right. For control of the Senate. This is uh, it. it it's, yeah, some of the polls we're talking about the possibility of uh, of a five seat uh, advantage for the GOP in the Senate. <laughs> that yes. is not yeah, going to happen. Is. Oh, no, no, that no. the, the I, I think the. Right now, probably the uh, for for Republicans, the best case scenario would be uh, Laxalt holds on, Johnson holds on, and uh, you know, somehow Masters were to Masters. beat Kelly. Yep. And then then Georgia would not. Um, but again, the same thing could be with the Democrats if if those yeah. races turn in the other direction. So I think, frankly, the most likely scenario, if you were to ask me as of right now, is we're headed for a December six uh, showdown in. Uh, at Georgia, and it won't be at the Georgia Dome, right? <laughs> Randy, there was there was talk that this this election would be a referendum on the Biden administration itself, a referendum on the economy. That maybe abortion mm-hmm. wasn't as big of an issue as it was, um, but it, it does seem like that was a bigger issue than people had expected, and the economy didn't seem like it had as much sway as the GOP had expected. Can you help me get my head around it? Well, Dave, I saw uh, I saw a very interesting uh, statistic, and that is on an exit poll that was done. Seventy five percent of the voters that were surveyed said that they were dissatisfied 
with the state of the country. Mm-hmm. And yet you look at it and you got to say this was pretty much a status quo election. Yeah. yeah, there were some significant changes such as in Florida, and we can talk about that in a second. Yep. But overall, we still have a divided government, maybe more divided now uh, with Republicans in control of the House, very likely by five to 10 seats, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, we're going to have a very divided government. And yet people were very dissatisfied because of the highest inflation rate in 40 years, uh, the crime rising, the border situation. And yet voters in the end voted for a status quo government. It's it, it's pretty yep. surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So it, that status quo government, it looks like it will include a slim GOP majority in the House, correct? Yes, I, I think the, the my estimate right now, after looking at this chip, it'd be probably somewhere in the neighborhood of Republicans in control by plus five to ten, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, Chip, to put that in perspective, though, I mean, the average gain of the party out of power in the White House of the first midterm election is twenty-eight seats are gained. Yeah. So. To say that Republicans underperformed is certainly um, a mild understatement as of right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Uh, with that in mind, what does this say about the status of Donald Trump in the Republican Party? Well, a couple of things. First of all, as it is anticipated that he is going to announce that he's going to run again yeah. next week. Regardless of whether you support Trump or not, I, I don't think anybody is excited about anybody announcing for presidency this early, uh, given we haven't even figured out yet with a likely runoff in Georgia what's going to happen out of this election. But I, I think there's, I, I think it's going to be a contested uh, a primary. We saw what happened in Florida last night, and for Republicans, that was kind of the shining moment with with Ron DeSantis winning by nearly 20 points and Rubio winning by 18 points. Right. And it looks like they picked up four Republican new members out of uh, out of Florida and they carried it's shockingly. They carried both of them, carried Miami-Dade County and, and Chip, to put this in perspective, Hillary yep. Clinton in 2016 carried Miami-Dade County by 30 points. Yeah. Joe Biden carried Miami-Dade County by eight points. And last night, Ron DeSantis carried and and uh, Senator Rubio carried Miami-Dade County by something like six or seven points. So Unbelievable. Th- that's kind of a brighting, bright, bright star for for Republicans is the state of Florida. Now, there's a lot of other states where they can't make that statement. So I think you're going to yeah. see a very contested primary uh, season coming up, uh, you know, a year from January. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Okay, let's assume that it is a slim majority for the GOP in the House. What does this mean for the Farm Bill? As you know, Chip, Farm Bills are difficult to pass in in the best of circumstances. Uh, G.T. Thompson's job, uh, uh, assuming a five to ten seat um, majority, got more difficult, very frankly. Uh, because as we all know, there are different factions within the Republican caucus, including Freedom Caucus members, who some of which uh, aren't typically supportive uh, of farm bills. So 
uh, to say the least, I, I think GT's job got uh, a lot more difficult, uh, assuming that these this slim margin holds at five to ten about getting a bill through the House. You know, it is interesting over in the Senate, uh, we still don't know who will ultimately be the chair, whether it's going to be John Bozeman, current ranking member from Arkansas, right. or Debbie Stabenow. But every member of the Senate Ag Committee that was up for re-election got re-elected, save the outcome of the Warnock-Herschel Walker right. race. In the okay. House Ag Committee, there are 50 members. Nine of them either got beat or chose not to run for re-election. And we still have four other races of members on the Ag Committee that haven't been called yet. Wow. Wow. Okay. Only got about 30 seconds, Randy. I got to ask this, though. What does this do for Joe Biden? Does it embolden him? Uh, look, the, the the fact is this is divided government, uh, even more divided than, than the last two years because the Democrats had very slim, but they did have control. Now you're going to have Republicans in control of the House yet to be determined in the Senate. I would look for the Biden administration to try to move their prior priorities now through executive orders and rulemaking. Yep. Major legislation is just not going to happen from their perspective. Gotcha. Gotcha. Randy, thank you so much for making time for us, buddy. We appreciate you. Randy Russell, the Russell My Group. My pleasure, Tim. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, uh, what? I take a look at what's happening in the grain markets. You've got wheat and corn going in one direction. You've got the soy complex uh, kind of trading mixed here. What's going on? Well, uh, start off with uh, corn, you know, technical breakdown there. So we, we've uh, violated a yeah. couple support levels and, and uh, getting some technical selling here ahead of uh, USDA's reports at the top of the hour. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's the basically the, the crux of it there. Uh, wheat market isn't helping any because it's under some pressure as well. Uh, outside markets are, are negative this morning. And, and so that's leading to that uh, price pressure in both corn and wheat. Uh, the outlier is, is soybeans, and uh, we had more daily export sales this morning, China and unknown. Uh, that followed three sales uh, yesterday to China unknown and Mexico, and, and so we're starting to see some of that demand come in underneath the market, and that's providing us some price support here ahead of USDA's reports, along with strength in the uh, soy oil market, which is moderately higher yeah. this morning. Yeah, absolutely. It's moderately higher, even with crude oil couple of bucks lower here this morning take us to the livestock trade a little bit of buying coming back into hogs 
Yeah, a little bit. Uh, December contracts still struggling uh, to find buyer interest because the cash index is falling, but uh, deferred contracts are, are seeing a little bit of a firmer tone here at mid-morning. Uh, mostly uh, the case in, in feeder cattle, too, with the front end of that market uh, a little bit weaker, but uh, deferred futures uh, being supported by the weakness in the corn market this morning. But live cattle futures uh, just struggling to find buyer interest and, and still waiting on active cash cattle trade to develop, uh, kind of slow played uh, so far by packers. And, and uh, so that's just limiting the buyer interest here at mid-morning. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Brian, thank you so much. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Let's get this farmer forum started. We've got Tim Burrock from Iowa. Tim, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Chip. How are you? Good. Good. Doing just fine. What are you up to this morning? Well, I've got a flat tire on the combine. So uh, while I'm waiting for that to be fixed, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. How, besides the flat tower tire, hi, how is uh harvest going for you? It's going slow. You went, went to vote yesterday, came back. A dryer was running at a thousand bushels of corn on the ground and a dryer full of corn. So mm-hmm. we spent yesterday cleaning that up and then we went to combine flat tires. So it's a, we're going to, today I hope will be better. Oh, good. Good. I hope so. Michelle Jones, Montana, big sky farm her. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. How are you? We're doing just fine. Just fine. Um, as I said in the last segment, kind of scratching my head a little bit over some of the results of the election and how they lined up or failed to line up with some of the polls uh, that were out there. So, Michelle, when you uh, when you take in all of the information that is available out there, and I know that you've been looking at a lot of it here this morning, what uh, what, what really stands out to you after the, the midterm? Um, I, I think a lot of what really stands out, Kansas really stands out for one. And then a lot of the, um, analysis done by Cook's political report has been really interesting to read, um, particularly on what they, um, classified as the meth voters in the age. And then they don't really think the economy is that bad. They don't think it's that great. They don't really like Biden, but they don't really hate him. And um, where that has fallen and how that's input, uh, impacted elections uh, across the country has been yeah. really interesting to just read the analysis. In Montana, it was fairly boring. It was wildly expected. The results that we have is pretty much straight Republicans um, across the board. And that was, you know, what it, it's generally expected. But that outside of this state's races have been super interesting. Yep. What did you see in Kansas that caught your attention? Uh, generally, just the, the I, I mean, she was up for re-election. The governor of Kansas was up for re-election, and her name's escaping me right this second, even though I've been talking about her most of the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. She, um But I really thought that her approach was interesting. You know, she's in what is previously was considered a deep red state. I don't think that they now get to be considered that. 
Um, but her approach of really reaching across the aisle and being the, I think the type of candidate a lot of people, a lot of centrists um, are actually looking for has done really well for her. And I'm hoping that as a centrist myself, that we start to see more of those candidates be really successful in future elections, not only at the local state and local level, but the national level as well. And I think you see it in like Abby Spanberger, um, Angie Craig, Henry Kuliar, um, yep. Those are Democrats that come to mind that won um, in what is generally uh, can be considered Republican areas. Um, and their ability to be moderates is a little bit encouraging to me as a moderate, yep. you know, myself. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting take on a lot of a lot of different issues there, Michelle. Tim, what about you? What stands out? Well, the first thing is that you can't believe the polls. I mean, that was quite apparent compared to all the media that you heard for the last week. The second thing that stands out that was, I thought, a little bit surprising is that Carhartt Hoodie is going to be the new Senate garb. <laughs> yep. And that uh, I think the draft uh, Ron DeSantis uh, effort will gain momentum now that he's had such a good uh, showing. And I think that uh, personal liberties, capitalism, and the border don't matter as much in the in the big picture, the economy, etc. And I think that abortion plays a much bigger issue than any of us thought it would, according to the pundits. When in reality, I think that's what turned most of this and kept it blue. Yeah, uh, I. Tim, I'm not going to argue with you on that point on the abortion issue because it, so many of the polls that were done with those likely to vote put the economy and inflation right at the top of the list, crime right below that. Uh, and, and there were two or three other issues that would show up before abortion. But I, I, I think, obviously played a bigger role in the outcome of the elections than than what was indicated going in. Michelle, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that what we see is that it may not necessarily be the abortion issue itself, but it's more of entrenchment and that like abortion plays pretty heavily. I mean, abortion plays heavily for a lot of my friends. Honestly, they'd be Democratic voters anyways. But even for myself, like it, it is a that is certainly a top three issue. And I consider it personal liberties to be entirely transparent. Like I, yep. I shouldn't be regulated by the government. Um, and so it certainly can play a factor if you're looking at like, you don't really like what's where the economy is going. You don't really like where the presidency is going necessarily. But that third issue can be the reason that you may not really like it, but you're not going to switch parties. And I think that's what we saw and that's what um some election analysis is showing even on exit polls is that you may not like the top two but it's because of that third issue you're not moving parties right right that's that's good perspective right there michelle uh tim and it, you and, it and and chip it got you out to vote that third issue was the one that got you to the polls and women went to the polls yes yeah, that's the way it looks. Absolutely. Good point. Good point. You mentioned, Tim, the draft around DeSantis now. Uh, 
is it what what does that mean for former president trump well you know before this election you know you would see or right here i don't know where i heard them but there was this draft DeSantis movement for president well yeah. you know i think that's going to gain strength and and uh I, now I think there's a good chance there will be a primary. I, we all assume Trump's going to announce, but I just don't see Trump having the strength he had. And there just looks like there's going to be a lot of controversy with it. Well, we know there will be a lot of controversy with him. Yeah. And, I th- and starting so early, if he does announce here on the 15th or whenever it is, it's going to get old fast. Yeah, everybody needs a break for a while. (laughs) I think that's right. Tim, what I hear you saying is I don't know if, and correct me if I've got the wrong read on this, but are you saying that the the voters in this country just don't have the stomach for the controversy anymore? I I really think that. And just in people I've talked to today, they don't have it. And when it specifically Trump, they'll say, Yep, there's the supporters, but in the big picture, they just don't want the controversy because it's more about him than it is policy. Right. And we've got to be policy and cooperation. And and when the president's involved, it's always, a, he, and he can't help it, it's just about him. And that's, that yeah. you can make yep. it a positive or a negative. Right. Michelle, no I stomach for the controversy. Fully, yeah. I mean, yeah, I have, I have no stomach for the controversy, and that's why I like the moderate candidates that are not controversial. Um, and I think that, like, you can see it across. I'm not not even necessarily whether it was a referendum on Trump himself. Like, just the candidates that are backed by Trump are terrible candidates. And it's been talked about in this um, election cycle for a while that, like, if there had been better candidates, these votes may have been very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. It would, you know, when, you McCon- look- when Chip, when McConnell came out and talked about the poor senatorial candidates, I thought he shot himself in the foot. Well, yeah, he was a little more accurate than I gave him credit back then. Yeah. He was seeing the future is, is what he was doing there. And, and uh, that's a good point. It was something that I, that I wanted to bring up because when you look, you know, there are some some hints toward attitudes, general attitudes in the details of the election. And when you go to Georgia, uh, Kemp easily beat Abrams for the governor's position. Republican beat the Democrat. Uh, Herschel Walker, the Republican candidate for the Senate against Warnock, pulled 200,000 fewer votes than did the Republican candidate for the governor. Now, to split a ticket is one thing, but to miss it by 200,000 votes, Michelle, that's a big number. And I think it's indicative of what's going on around the country. Yep. Yeah, I think we saw it a lot, those split ticket, and I... I don't think it has anything to do with policy. I think it has everything to do with the candidate and baggage attached to those candidates that people have lost interest in. Right. Right. Okay. Very aren't, good. Aren't, aren't, aren't we going to enjoy the runoff in 
now in Georgia until, until December 6th. Think yeah. of the money and the news media and the whole country is going to pour into there. And they're once again, they'll probably be the deciding factor for the Senate Yep. and the struggle well, and the, what we're going to have to put up with just hearing it around the rest of the country. That's right. And there's already one Russian that has already said that, yeah, I've interfered in the election and I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody is going to be heading for Georgia. No question about it. Okay. What does that narrow majority for the GOP in the House mean for the Farm Bill? And what do you want to see change for the next elections? From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. chickens have come home to roost find out whose fence they're perched on today on agritalk welcome back to agritalk and the farmer forum which is brought to you by america's conservation ag movement which convenes farmers ag businesses and the sustainability community around the future of farming by bringing profitable planet-friendly farming into the mainstream partners include trust in food a farm journal initiative Farm Journal Foundation, USDA's National Resource Conservation Service, and more. Please go to www.agweb.com slash ACAM for more. On the Farmer Forum today, Tim Burrock from Iowa, Michelle Jones, Montana. Uh, Michelle, when, I, I, I know that you are so into the policy and, and the uh, – and, and, and the farm bill and the provisions in that farm bill. What do you think this means for the farm bill in 2023? Um, I, I have long been in the camp that like, we will see an extension, honestly, like, and maybe that's yeah. just the recency bias or the fact that there we've been is. under a lot of extensions. <laughs> um, but I, I just have a hard time believing that one will go through in 2023. Uh, that said, I am, Having a tighter balance between um, Republicans and Democrats and possibly a split Congress between the Senate and the House, I think does allow us to produce a better farm bill because you will be forced to compromise. So you'll have to compromise on some environmental issues, probably lean towards working land, which is better for agriculture anyway. Um, Republicans will force to be compromised on food stamps, which, uh, or the nutrition title, which will like you get a better bill anyway. So I think there is some upside in the quality of a bill will eventually get out with a tighter balance between the two or split Congress. Okay. 
All right, Tim, is, is it does it bring negotiation or does it just kind of bring gridlock on the farm bill? Both. I hope Michelle's right. I really do hope she's right. My concern is that there, we borrowed so much money. The Fed is pushing the interest rates rapidly higher. The Republicans are going to say we can't afford to spend like we've been spending. And they're actually right on that. Yeah. Government can't sustain a lot higher interest rates. So my concern is that there'll be less money and the fight will be bad. And Michelle may be right that the only thing is an extension. But it, it'll be a knock, knuckle dragger, drag out deal before we get there. And yeah. uh, I'm not that optimistic as Michelle. Okay. Uh, don't you think Glenn Thompson, uh, the expected chairman of the House Ag Committee, he's going to try, isn't he, Tim? Well, I assume that's his job. The question yeah. is, will, will, you know, will the, well, the, will, will the Republicans spend enough to get what we need? Right. Right. Okay. Tim, what do you want to see change between yesterday and the 2024 elections? I'm always on my campaign finance rant. I am so sick of how money is spent on campaigns. We should never have to spend, you know, 50 million, 120 million for a Senate seat or 17 million for a House seat. I would love to see the laws change. And this is just a dream. It won't happen. Where the only money that can be spent on a campaign for the candidates from that state has to come from that state. And I didn't say it clearly. The only way you can, the only money you can spend in the state has to be raised within the state is what I'm trying to say. And that would bring common sense and give us back our TV and televisions and make the candidates be themselves rather than the outside influencers controlling the, the, the uh, message man you're talking about campaign reform in a big way and i'm there with you on this one tim i think that's a great idea michelle what do you want to see change between yesterday and first tuesday in november 24 i think I, exactly the same as campaign finance reform and and i think you would get better candidates i mean right now i mean you have to essentially be a millionaire if you're going to win um, and, and that's not entirely true. There's, you know, Tester's a farmer, Grassley's a farmer, but still like the amount of money that you generally have to have to be a competitive candidate to beat an incumbent is, I think, limiting our candidate pool and limiting the talent that we put into both the Senate and the House and all the other local elections too. Right. Right. You know, I don't know if there's some way to qualify candidates before they are put on a ticket. Um, but I, I, I certainly think that uh, with with some of the results of of the elections that uh, that we saw yesterday, we we definitely need to bring more qualified candidates to the to to the ballots and so michelle i agree all right guys we got to put an end to it tim barack from iowa thank you buddy appreciate you hey good chap all right michelle jones out in montana thank you so much appreciate you thank you all right all right um davis let's go to the field 
Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Chip, let's wing on down below the Mason-Dixon line down to Dixie Central, Arkansas, Pulaski County. A farmer writes, tried double crop corn after wheat. Yields ranged from 76 to 171 bushels per acre. Average 138 bushels per acre. Full season hybrids were significantly higher yielding than short season unadapted hybrids. That's your yields in the fields brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Don't forget, top of the hour, we get the crop production report from USDA, supply and demand updates to the balance sheet as well. The, the trade expectations on. On this for the national average corn yield, unchanged from October 171.9. This is according to a survey by Reuters. And on soybeans, unchanged from October as well, 49.8 bushels per acre for a national average bean yield. Very slight changes. Very slight changes expected to the uh, to the total production number. And, of course, we got to take it all to the bottom line. Watch those usage numbers in corn in particular. That's one of the things that Bill Biederman from agmarket.net, and I will be examining this afternoon on AgriTalk 206 Central. Come on back. <laughs> 